Annette Froelich is keen on popular culture, and she's invited a number of her colleagues who also study such matters to contribute to a collection titled Outer Space and Popular Culture. Among the wide-ranging subjects, there's a chapter that might surprise us at first. It's titled Clowns in Space, and the segment closes with these thoughts. Circuses never belong firmly to the everyday life of their patrons. They are by design extraterritorial venues. Only as an itinerant enterprise does the circus access the ordinary world, and only in this capacity is it able to engage with and temporarily upend the structure of norms and beliefs that underpin the perfectly normal. Circus always comes from somewhere else and features unconventional people, extraordinary bodies, and feats that overcome pedestrian standards and are incommensurate with common human ability, such as juggling a dozen remarkably unrelated objects on a high wire while wearing pointed shoes and turning somersaults. Across different media, circus in space stories prove to include standard iconographic fixtures, conventions, and narratives from the history of the historical circus, established understandings of the cultural circus phenomenon. In so doing, space stories recognize the circus's role as a human cultural phenomenon. However, space narratives also transcend the traditional motive and story reservoir of the circus, for instance, through familiar storylines that end differently than expected, and by depicting the circus world as a trap door, leading to a fantastic world where traditional norms are nowhere to be experienced. Anna-Sophie Jurgen's thoughts on the circus and outer space with a quote from Matthias Christen. Meg Davis and Tyler Florian get that. They understand intuitively what Jurgen's is suggesting about the world of the circus and they've let themselves imagine what that all might mean for a classic stage musical that has an outer space frame and a ringmaster-like character at the center. Rocky Horror Show with music, lyrics, and book by Richard O'Brien. Meg and Tyler have developed the concept thoroughly for this weekend's performances at the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, and the directors stopped in at the WVIA studios with three actors who are all in when it comes to the new twist on Rocky Horror, Dan Nudo, who is Frank and Furter, and Amanda Alfano and Michael Speranzo, who play Janet and Brad in the show. Tyler Florian sets the stage. Our history is we've been doing theater for over 100 years now. This is our 101st season. We're starting off strong. We had a really great start with Dracula and all these other shows, Picasso and all these other fabulous shows. Now we're wrapping up with a ninth time of Rocky Horror. And the ninth time is we always like to do something different. This season is a big step in that, I would say. We're doing something completely different. We're actually changing it from a castle to a circus tent. We're changing all the ensemble to freaks. 
and everyone's gonna have a free persona. It's gonna be a very, very fun time. Where did that come from, Meg? It was actually at one point Tyler and I were in a show together and we were just talking about Rocky Horror and how much fun we would have doing it. And it just kind of came up with the two of us organically. And then as years passed, we went through it. We would write things down and it just gradually built and built until we had a concept that we really thought was strong and we really liked. Yeah, think about like, what, three years now? Yeah. You wouldn't be doing it for the ninth season. Can you tell? Do you get the same audiences? Do you get new audiences? What do you think about audiences? Well, there's always going to be a huge fan base. I mean, there's always the people that are diehard fans. They'll come dressed up as it. They're always ready with their, even sometimes their own prop bags. But um, I'm getting a sense from a lot of new people that have never seen it before, have never come out because they're just so interested in our concepts for it and all the characterizations we've been doing with it. So it's it's like a mixture of both. It's like new people and old people coming in. And not only that, but as the years go by, you have the younger theater kids who were too young when we first started doing it, and now they're just getting old enough. So either they are old enough to now see it or they're old enough to be in it. So they're also really excited and have started coming out now too. Now the question is, you've chosen to dedicate all these hours to creating not just Rocky Horror, but Rocky Horror Point Two. Have you been in it before? What drew you to it this time? I've never been in Rocky before, but I've I remember going to the 10th anniversary of the movie, and in two years, the play will be having its 50th anniversary. So I've grown up with Rocky Horror from the time it was playing at the mall every Saturday night and going and, and just watching it and learning the callbacks and, and all that kind of stuff and, and learning what to throw and when to throw it and that kind of stuff. So for me, this is the culmination of all these years of watching it and finally being in it. I've never done the show before. It's, and you're Frank? I am Frank. Yes. And how are you channeling your inner Frank? <laughs> I always channel things through hair color and <laughs> costumes, which I have already done the hair color. I wish they could see it. <laughs> no, it'll be a surprise. But that, for me, is is the way that I really can get more and more into the character. But this one's just a, it's a fun show with the songs that are in it and the really campy lines. Okay, so it's just a lot of fun to do. Welcome, Mike. Hi. <laughs> Same question to you. Why are you yeah. spending all your time <clears throat> with these people? Yeah, well, I think for me, the biggest thing is before I was, you know, before theater was ever an interest of mine, I've, I've always been a huge movie person and I'm a really big film aficionado, I suppose. And Rocky really invented the concept of cult films above all else. And, you know, a midnight slot that is now this coveted thing before was this throwaway, might as well, you got to air something type of slot. And I think it's interesting to bring that idea and that vibe into theater, which is a previously, with few exception, a bit of a sanitized art form often. And I think exposing people who would never see theater before to something like this is super interesting. And I think it's really healthy as a creator and as an artur to try to get into that and feel that. Tell us how you're approaching your character. Well, I, I think with, with Brad and to an extension Janet as well, I think there's a really interesting term of you have these two people who are who are the, the entryway into the show. They're the, the audience insert. They're the depiction of innocence in the show. But what's interesting is, you know, the movie came out, what was it, 70, 75? What was innocent at that time and what was an audience insert at that time means something different now and it means something different every year. And I think it's really interesting to see what that looks like now. Janet, I have to follow that. <laughs> so I am new to the little theater scene. This is my first year ever actually doing stuff at the theater. And I was part of the big sellout. We did Grease in March. That was wonderful. 
So having the whole idea of the big cult classic, The Midnight Show, I really wanted to get part of it. And being Janet was, of course, like the biggest deal in the world to me. So with how massive of a following, I would say, the audience is, and you talk to everybody. Everybody knows about Little Theater's infamous Midnight Show. Everybody knows. And it was just really, really important that I was able to make my stamp on the production. And then with the whole new Rocky 2.0 that we're doing, I would say that... Mike and I, with our versions of Brad and Janet, we delve more into the whole endearing comedic side of them, whereas instead of, oh, I'm so scared, we actually like to play off of each other and try and give more layers to these characters than just the one-dimensional, I'm really scared and I don't like it here. It's intriguing to hear about the circus angle. If there are things that you can say about it without spoiling how it works and you made sure that it's consistent in your interpretation, how do you talk about that, Meg? So it's already an idea that Brad and Janet are like these, what society would deem as these normal all-American man and woman, this couple, getting thrown into this area of these people that aren't like them. And so just kind of setting it at this circus kind of freak showy type thing just gave more of a separation between Brad and Janet and the group that they're going into. And it also allows us to feature a lot of our ensemble and get them a little bit more into character instead of them just being, you know, people in the background. They get their own personas. They get to really embrace who they are and show that on the stage. What do you think, Tyler? Yeah, no, we have so many different things. We even wanted to include the leads as different freaks. One that I would like to specify is Columbia being a human doll. I like that we came up with that idea for her because of the fact that like she's always getting controlled by Frank and that she's being torn around and told what to do. So a human doll makes a sense for that. So we tried to incorporate that with our leads, but then the ensemble got to come up with their own freak ideas and some we even came up with and we helped them out with it. And it was it was a great bonding moment just between the ensemble and seeing what they even come up with. Did you change the lyrics? No. I mean, we did some because of different pronouns because mm -hmm. we have uh, Eddie is going to be played by a female. So we had to change the pronouns for them. And Rocky does have dark hair. <laughs> not much of a tan either, but other than that, nothing really. I mean, your experiment's not going to be perfect. <laughs> we know that Little Theater is so well known, not just for the Midnight Show, but also for live music and live musicians. What's this production bringing in that regard? Oh, we do have a live band. They will be on top of the tent that we have. Oh, we have a tent, by the way. So they're going to be up on top there playing the entire time. It's going to be be very nice hearing live music for that. Again, we're, we're walking a tightrope here and we're going to just do this to not spoil anything. Mm. But Frank, how do you feel about the circus angle? I really like it because Frank gets to be more of the ringmaster, the leader of everybody. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun for me especially to be doing something like that because this is a character like no other I've ever played. And I've been doing this 42 years, so <laughs> I usually play more of the, the low-keyed, even in leads, the low-keyed leads. But this one is definitely not low-keyed for me. <laughs> definitely stranger costumes than I've ever worn. I've never been in heels before, this is a first. <laughs> but I, I just like the way it all works together and, and it gives me a chance to play off of even the ensemble that you wouldn't normally have because like Tyler said, they're just in the background. 
And Mike and Janet. I like it because I think with everybody that comes to the show, most of them, I would say more than normal, will dress up in some type of a costume. So I feel like us being in that world with them allows all of us to connect way more. I think that's awesome. And Brent. Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing for me, and I think everyone here has hit really huge points, but I, so I'll focus on something a little separate. I think what what is huge for me is just putting people in these different headspaces, but in some cases, different physical spaces, depending on what kind of character they're playing. We're seeing this incredible physicality and everyone feels like a living, breathing thing. While, you know, sometimes in even the best of shows, people will instead move like one kind of mushed together sedimentary uh, conglomerate rather than something individual. And in this, like by default, if, you know, if you have huge costume pieces that are in your character or you have this stuff you have to do, you can't move like the guy next to you. And I think that we're imposing that by default. And it's it's not a exception to the rule when someone has something interesting going on. It is expected. How are you preparing the audience to enter the space that you're creating? They come into the lobby at the little theater and they see what? Um, we're going to have a lot of different signs out. They'll say, like, welcome to the show and all that stuff that's going to be out there. And then we we do have a special way of introducing it. I don't want to spoil too much for it, but there will be a lot of different things going on around that we'll we'll have theme-wise to attract the eyes. And we also made sure that when we were taking promo pictures for our Facebook page, we did it on a location, so we're getting the theme through the pictures as well to make the audience aware that this is what's happening. The posters also definitely give that feeling because it's a it's a strong man over the lips. They were just posted today, so that does it. And even the mannequins right in our foyer, Normally, they're dressed in all black and that kind of stuff. And this year, they're just in bright colors and and something very different. You talked about the physicality, Mike Brad. We think we're going to go to Rocky Horror and we're going to see all this energy on stage. But when you're talking about a circus, you're talking about acrobats and people swinging from the air (laughs) and that sort of thing. But you're really going to develop that part of it, yes? Yeah, we do have a couple of freaks that will be incorporating different sideshow attractions like that. So we will be seeing that. I mean, I could hint another one, obviously, from the poster. Our Rocky is going to be our strongman. So obviously there, we got a great thing going on right there. Would you provide the where and when for us, Meg? So our show will be running at the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre on October 27th through the 28th, Friday at 8 p.m., Saturday at 7, and then our special midnight show. And we also do have another special show, though. We have it on the 29th. We are going to be at the Kirby Center as we are going to be the Shadowcast this year. So it's a big comeback for Kirby because they haven't done it since COVID. So we're going to be the intro back into that. And now the big finish. If there's anybody who would like to sing something or a little Brad and Janet action... Okay. Okay. In the velvet darkness of the blackest night, burning bright, there's a guiding star, no matter what or who you are, there's a There's a light burning in the fireplace. <laughs> There's a light, light in the darkness of everybody's life.
Amanda Alfano and Michael Speranzo and the chorus there singing a sample from Rocky Horror. And we heard from directors Meg Davis and Tyler Florian and Dan Nudo as well, who is Frank. And they will all be taking the stage at the Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre this Friday and Saturday to present the annual production number nine of the cult classic, The Rocky Horror Show. And there will be performances Friday, this Friday at 8 p.m. and Saturday the 28th at 7 in the evening and the classic not-to-be-missed midnight show, 537 North Main Street in Wilkes-Barre. You're encouraged to dress the part as a Rocky character or any way you want. Prop bags will be for sale with your ticket. And you have a chance to experience this new concept for Rocky Horror. It's Rocky Horror, not at the castle, but under the circus tent. And for more information on the web, ltwb.org. And that stands for Little Theater of Wilkes-Barre, ltwb.org. That's the Little Theatre of Wilkes-Barre and its ninth annual production of the Rocky Horror Show, Friday, October 27th at 8, and Saturday, October 28th at 7 and midnight. The theatre is located at 537 North Main Street in Wilkes-Barre, and you can find out more on the web, ltwb.org. And also, they will be the shadow cast on Sunday the 29th at the FM Kirby Center for the screening of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. 